Hi, today I'm with Rayan Alawala. He is the guru of gurus in Pakistan, but he travels the world. He's been to over 80 countries and really a phenomenal thinker, always ahead of his time. He's setting up really interesting school systems that help people earn money much quicker. He comes from Pakistan, where an average person makes $1,500 a year, whereas an American makes $71,000 a year. So there's a big difference in wealth. He comes from one of the poorest countries in the world, but he's a forward thinker. He retired, I, I think, like 10 years ago and just focused on philanthropy and, and helping people. So we're going to learn a lot from him on how the world can change and what his perspectives are of how we can alleviate poverty, whether you come from Pakistan or Zimbabwe or, you know, he's, he's been to many, many countries. So I'm sure that the tips he gives can be applied as much to India, as much to Bangladesh, or as much to Sri Lanka or other developing countries as they can to Pakistan. Well, would you agree with that, Rehan? Um, so, so just tell us about your, a little bit about your background as an entrepreneur, but then tell us why you've created this school that's trying to 10x the country. Thank you for the phenomenal opportunity, Amir. Um, I was born in a business family. So my pa father uh, took me to his business when I was very young. And then I did internship when I was eight, nine, ten, for two months. And um, so I've been selling things since I'm like eight, selling candy, selling Commodore 64 computers, software. So I, I've done over 150 ventures in five different countries. Uh, I have a PhD in failing without having a PhD paper. I failed in majority of them, but I learned a lot from all these experiences. Um, why am I creating this school? So when we met first time, I was doing this thing I was calling a $100 business um, where I want to create a million entrepreneurs. And um, I failed at that also, but I learned, as I said, a lot. So one of the biggest problem in our country is money. The Pakistanis actually now make $800 a year, not $1,500 a year because Pakistani dollar versus uh, value devaluation has been done. So it's now $800 a year, which is really, really low, even lower than Bangladesh. So, um, you know, I was making money when I was 12, 13, 14. Why can't other kids make money when they're younger, right? And if a, if a person is living in New York, in London, a child can go to McDonald's and they can earn $500 a month. Um, they can also do freelancing and they can still earn $500 a month. So all I'm doing is teaching them, the kids in Pakistan, to do freelancing and uh, stuff which they can do on the computer and sell it to the West um, and then make $500 a month. Um, the reason I am doing this is because there are 50 million students in Pakistan who don't go to any school. So if I'm able to be become somebody like a Montessori system uh, of the new generation where AI comes first, entrepreneurship comes first, making money comes first, uh, this school system, the child will earn $500 a month, but this child also gives us $100 fees when they earn $500 a month. So the, the 
a typical school, a private school in Pakistan earns $3 a month. In $3 a month, you really can't do much or uh, and you can't pay much to the teacher. The teacher gets $20 a month. So what kind of quality would the teacher deliver? So um, I want to change that model. I want to fundamentally change that. I want the school to earn a um, quarter of a million dollars a year, the child to earn $500 a month, and um, that way more schools can open and more, more children can go to school. And we're not just making money earners, we're also helping them become a global leaders. Our school is where every single child is given a problem of the world, and then they have to watch a TED Talk about that problem every single day, and then record their own TED Talk every single day and post it online and then tag the original TED Talk giver and try to convince them to give them an interview and make a connection with them. So the motto here is that in four years, the child will have a thousand TED Talks on, on the internet. We changed their last name, so they become a water wala or an energy wala or a solar wala. And they become famous, like Malala or Gurada Thunberg, and they know everyone in that space. So then we help them start a startup after they have started earning $6,000 a year using their own money and help them scale that. So what age, what do you think is the youngest age that you could get someone to start earning money? As I said, I was doing it at eight. Lots of people still do it at eight. They're asking for money on the streets. How about the digital business? Um, they can be, you know, I think 12 is a good number. 12 years of age is a, is a median age. for. And, and do you think that that 12-year-old needs to know English grammar or mathematics or like chemistry or any of the other subjects or would they go straight to being digital? We are taking them straight to digital. We're not teaching them chemistry, maths or science or anything. Do you think that serves a purpose? I mean, I, I think of my, myself, I studied chemistry, physics, etc. But a lot of that, I don't think I apply. I, um, do you think it's important or what? what is your... Why do they teach those subjects? Is it to open your mind or is it just it's always been that way? You see, the school system was designed for a certain era. Mm -hmm. That era has gone. I, to me, after 2023, the world is no longer the same. After 2023, you have ChatGPT, you have Bing, you have uh, amazing AIs available, LLMs, which can teach you anything you want. So if you really wanted to learn chemistry, you can learn chemistry. You can just ask ChatGPT, you are my chemistry teacher, teach me how does the water work? How, what does H2O does really mean? Please teach me. And if it doesn't explain you, you can say again, you can ask again, you can ask again. You can say, explain it to me like I'm seven. Make a story about this. Uh, make a song about this. You know, teacher doesn't do that. ChatGPT is the most amazing teacher ever. So our focus is on how to learn and build on that, not try to memorize how, how this works. Make it fun. So our students learn to make videos. They have to make one video every single day, an animated video every single day. Which school does that? These children will become so amazing at creating content and they have to learn how to make that content. They go through ChatGPT, ChatGPT gives them a script, they go and find the images, they go and find the content, try to understand it. 
it's a process. It's a process I'm teaching. It's not just a quick fix. I'm teaching them how to become me and you. When we graduate, I mean, when you did your MBA, how much of that content is even valid today? Everything just changes, right? So with the help of AI, we can relearn very quickly. Why put the stuff in our head which we really don't need? We need meditation. Nobody teaches that. In our school, we teach meditation, yoga, breathing. How many people taught you to breathe? And we teach communication, collaboration. That's the fundamental flaw. We don't collaborate. We don't talk. We don't listen to people. Right? So in, in every single child has to interview every single day like a podcast. And in that podcast, they cannot speak more than 3%. They have to listen. They become an amazing listener. They have to look in the eye and listen. And then repeat and then give a summarization. So we're making amazing, amazing communicators, amazing explainers, amazing human beings. Could you even go, I'm just thinking, start at a higher level down because you're creating people earning, but you're starting from what age in that school and are they mixed up? Like, do you have 12-year-olds working along 16-year-olds because, you know, in the creative world, like when I speak with 23-year-olds, it's not like I think I'm 46 and he's 23. Can you mix the ages or how do you tend to do it in your school? Look, it's, it's an experimental school. It's like a lab right now. Um, we have teachers sitting in the classroom learning with the students because these teachers have never been through this process. So right now they have 20 year old person sitting with the 12 year old person. The teacher who are facilitating these 12 year old children have also not done these processes. So we teach them also. They're, so they are actually learning with the students. They don't even realize that what's happening to them. Mm -hmm. It's very hard for me to find those kind of teachers who are open to learning something, total new pedagogy, total new processes. It's, uh, um, I don't know how it will be in two, three years. Um, it's, it's, it's a process. When did you have the first vision for the school and what, what are the things that you've done over the last couple of years to get, get to where you've gotten to? So the school vision came around seven years ago and I wanted to create for my own kids. I did not want to send my kids to regular school because it's all about road learning and not about, I mean, one of my kids who was five, he said, Again, Daddy, can you look at this car? It's a flying car. Can you get inside it? And I said, sure. Let's, what color is the door? You know, he could see it, and he was explaining it. It's in his head. I was so scared that if he went to a regular school, they would just destroy the car. <laughs> I wanted him to be able to create that car when he's older. Right? I wanted him to keep imagining, keep dreaming, keep having that desire. Um, um, so I wanted to create a school for this kid and uh, I couldn't at that time. I, I tried, couldn't find the right teacher. Um, I wanted to have an Alexa in the room. I wanted to use the method of Sugata Mitra to facilitate. Sugata Mitra is a professor of uh, learning in Newcastle and um, I've been following him, his journey for 15 years and I think that seeded in me that this is how the learning should be. Him and Ken Robinson. Wow. And do you, what do you think is different about education in Pakistan than, let's say, the UK or US? 
I haven't really visited any UK school, but I think most uh, people in Pakistan who have money, they go through the Cambridge system. And it's the same. It's road learning. You have to memorize. You have to give this answer. It's not about creativity. It's not about explaining things. It's not about making videos. Most of the educators don't take advantage of YouTube. They don't take advantage of the internet. Most they don't. They don't understand these technologies. Uh, I met, I mean, thousands and thousands of teachers. They don't understand com computers. They don't, they're scared of it. Um, they just want to teach what they learn. Mm -hmm. And that's not how humans should be. We should be creating people for the next generation, not for the past generation. Our, our kids will grow up with AI everywhere, in our bodies, in our, over here, listening to everything, um, like in the Star Trek. It's, um, it's a superpower. It's like having a dinosaur in our pocket, but we don't know how to use it. It's like having a genie of a lamp in our pocket. And most people, they will rub a genie and just order a hamburger instead of creating, saying, I want to create a million hamburger shops. Help me do that. But they would just order a hamburger. They would waste their three wishes. So I think we need to teach them how to use these tools. Do you think that ChatGPT is going to kill Google? Or It's not for me to say. Do you, do you think it's a significant threat for Google? I, are, are you using Google less? Because you're, you are a ChatGPT yeah. expert. The, you know, I don't, like the very few people that have studied it, as much as you have over the last couple of years. Not just chat GPT, I've just been, I've been very um, skeptic or very worried about AI for the last 10 years um, and that it will destroy everything. Um, but so when chat GPT came out, there was, you know, there's a huge, huge hype right now, it's trillions of dollars being spent on it. And I don't know if you know about stability or what it has done. It's, uh, or, or uh, more smaller LLMs, what they're doing. Explain what an LLM is. And so a chat GPT is basically an LLM, which is called a large language model. And a model is like, for example, the first model was made on cats. It was made by Hasabe. He was with your prime minister yesterday at the tech week in London. And, uh, he showed the computer a million cat images and then the computer would recognize cat images. So an LLM basically has read or seen billions and trillions of content on the internet. And then it has just seen. And then an LLM creates that content when you ask it. So it's, it's not Googling anything, it's actually telling it. And it doesn't even know what it's telling. And that's the very, very, very part that everybody's scared of it is that it, nobody understands how, why is it happening? Even. So it gives you an answer, but it doesn't really know till it actually types it. So that's very weird um, algorithm. And uh, that's what an LLM is. ChatGPT is basically an LLM. OpenAI is an LLM, a large language model. Um, then there's gazillion things happened since the last six months. I think the startup cycle has changed from three years, in my opinion, to three months now. We should be able to create a startup 
make a million users and exit it in three months' time. It's so fast. Everything is just so fast. There's a very nice uh, podcast by Peter Diamandis and Salim Ismail on uh, how three people can now make a billion-dollar company in very, very little time. So it's a very interesting podcast. You can hear that. There's so much going on. I was very curious about what's happening, what are what kind of people are there. So I kept listening, listening, listening. Um, so I bumped into different people, skeptics, creators. Now I'm kind of relaxed. I don't know what's going to happen, what's going to happen. So I've kind of um, put a stop on my learning on AI because it's too much I intake. It was driving me nuts. Um, but I have, I think it's a very serious thing and I've created an AI lab with eight people right now. I would like it to be 15. And uh, their job is to just to, just to learn a new AI every day, whatever is happening, a new dot AI, and then just uh, spit out what they're learning on YouTube and Facebook so I can learn faster and others can learn faster. So kind of create, cons you know, how to use how to create music on AI, how to do this on AI, how to create this on AI. So I am hoping that then I can use all these master masters of AI then to teach other people to mastery the AI because there's thousands of AIs. You can't learn everything, right? So as a human, you need to learn only specific things. So what is good for Pakistan? What is good for our adult? What is good for our students? We'll teach it to them. But right now we're just learning what's happening. Wow. And what do you think are the reasons for poverty in a country like Pakistan? Why do you think that so much of it exists? So there are lots of people who have written lots of books about this. Uh, not about Pakistan, but why does poverty exist? Now, there's a book called Why Nations Fail that, that says, it's a very popular book. It says that it's because... Uh, there is lack of systems, which I agree. But um, I also see um, the fixes. Right? My goal is not to see why it's there, but how do you fix it? So one of the reasons which is, 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 is the lack of systems in, in countries like ours, Pakistan, for example. But how do you create systems? You need to be in politics. And then you, then you see... The, the bureaucracy, for example, the city of Karachi was a million people 60 years ago, and now it's 30 million people. The bureaucracy is still the same. The structure is still the same. How and the, the water supply is still the same. How can, why will not the city collapse? Because the systems are not upgraded. And it's growing so fast and just this unable to fix it. Um, but think of WhatsApp. Think of email. When the email came out, the government did not change anything, but the government became faster, right? Just because there was a new technology introduced, and then all of a sudden the government becomes faster because now they have email. And WhatsApp came out, the government became even more faster, even though nothing internally changed, just, just external forces made things faster. Now there's ChatGPT, there will be more tools, that will allow the governments to become faster, transparent. You can't really hide anything anymore. Just go on Bing and search for anything. It will just go and find anything and just give it to you and on a platter. And it's just amazing how 
easy it's becoming. And this is just a start. Imagine ChatGPT 5 coming out, what it will do because it will do videos, you can recognize videos. I can't imagine what's going to happen. Um, and that's where I think the singularity is. Singularity is a point where you can't even see beyond the time. So uh, Ray Kurzweil, who coined this singularity notion, says it's 2029. I think it's almost here. It's already here. We can't imagine in two years what will happen. It's impossible to imagine because you're building on top of things, right? I was just telling you about the bot we're making for finding jobs. We're making this bot where you can just throw in your resume. It'll, it'll just take the whole PDF or Word file and just understand who you are and then suggest you jobs and then suggest you the companies where you can apply and it can apply it for you. And then if you, if you it, then knowing who you are, it'll suggest, by the way, here's a free course. If you do, it'll add you so many thousands of dollars in your salary. What would you like to do it? If it says yes, then it'll remind you after some time, hey, Amir, did you do this course? Tell me how it was. So it's like a mentor inside your bot. I mean, this is just something we'll just build in two weeks. And it's how quick things are happening. The code is written by the AI. The, everything is done by AI itself. We just have to kind of tell it what to do. Um, so there was an analogy yesterday. Somebody was saying that there was a bricklayer. There was a time there was a bricklayer. Then there was a guy who was teaching the bricklayers how to do it. And then there was a guy who was designing the whole church or the building. Now we can all make that building because ChatGPT and AI makes it so easy to find bugs. I mean, our website have had grammatical mistakes for the last 20 years, right? Today, my one of my guys pointed out, oh, I use perplexity.ai, something like that, and it found these grammatical errors, can I fix them? That guy has been with me for 12 years, he couldn't find it, he couldn't see the grammatical mistakes because we're not native English speakers. But this AI just found out and it even suggested another website. He said, AI is suggesting we don't have enough content. I said, okay, go ahead, ask the AI what to put and just put it there. I mean, it's so simple. And then it just makes, I'm, I, it's like I was waiting for this time forever. I was been telling them to fix it. They were not fixing it. Now AI is telling them and even it points that, you know, go to line number five and this is the word you need to fix. So for example, um, now when I write a post, um, I have English mistakes. I, I do a lot of grammatical and spelling mistakes. So I say, don't fix it, just tell me the mistakes. And then it tells me the mistakes. And then I say, go and fix it. Because if I just say fix the grammar in English, it just changes the whole text. And I don't want that. So it's, it's, it's these small little nitty gritties are happening and they're going to increase our productivity. And it's going to change everything. So when, coming back to the original question, if we could just educate the masses, you have the phone, before you do anything, just run it by ChatGPT. If you're, if you're doing agriculture, just run it by, tell it what you do. Uh, press a button, send a voice note to it, and tell the whole story. You can't read and write, no problem. Talk to it. I don't know if you've seen, if you've seen Annie. Um, Annie is a new... Um, it's almost a month now. It's out there. It's an AI, which is a girl. And he talks to you. It's like your friend. And it has ChatGPT in the back. And we're trying to get an Imran Khan version of it so that people would just download it just for the heck of it. And then they will use it. And they will ask political questions. And it's not, we're trying to make a Donald Trump out of it. Initially, they will ask 
political questions. But then they'll get used to it and then they'll ask anything. And that's what will accelerate the growth of humanity because humanity has been living many, many lives. Right? And when we travel the world, when we see different worlds, we, we find, oh, really? I thought this, this is how it was supposed to be. No, that's not how it's supposed to be. Read the book. But now everybody has a book. Everybody has all the books, all the conclusions. You can, uh, you can uh, ask religious questions. You can ask uh, all kinds of questions. It gives you bottom, 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 bottom. You, can really, you can't really hide the truth anymore. So it's opening up, it's going to open up minds. It's a renaissance for the human beings, uh, you can call it. Um, and it's the, mat, the only problem is people don't know about it. Mm -hmm. So if we could aware humanity, just like we were awareing humanity about wear the mask or wash the hands, humanity will change. Why do you think it took off so quickly, ChatGPT? Um, yeah, it was one of the fastest technologies to really take off. What, what, what brought that? Well, people were comparing it with Instagram and Facebook and all that. There was no smartphone in the hands of people 10 years ago and 15 years ago when Facebook came out. Uh, when Instagram came out, smartphones were not so good. Uh, internet was not so connected. Now there are 4 billion smartphones. So that is why it's just numbers game. It's just anybody who come out with a nice app, it will grow like crazy. And it was free. It was very useful for people. It was very interactive with human beings. It was answering everything. It was kind. It was, it's, it's funny. So it just was like, wow. But it's, it's, it, if this happened 25 years ago, they would have what, you know, thousand users because there was no computers. There was no internet. There was, it wouldn't be possible back in the day. So what you're saying is because there's more and more users, more and more technologies will spread quicker. And what do you think is the difference in technology spread to a developing country like Pakistan as opposed to a developed country like UK? And, and do you agree with these terms, developed and developing countries? Well, they are correct in some ways and they are wrong in some ways. So Pakistan is more developed in many ways and the UK is very underdeveloped in many ways. And at the same time, it's very developed in some ways and very underdeveloped in some ways. Examples? Um, so culture-wise, UK has um, the value systems are just different, right? So in our country, people have more time. So you can say people are more developed as human beings. So if you go there, they will cherish you, they will take care of you, they will host you, they will feed you, just because they just have more time. And they value human beings and, and, and guests more. UK, everybody's so busy and nobody has time. Nobody has time. Nobody will open the door for you if you're a stranger. In Pakistan, you go to any Pathan, they, they will feed you for a month. They won't even ask you who you are, what you do, you know, most of the time. It's a different value system. The food is extremely cheap over there. Um, somehow, you guys have not been able to develop the food chain that is makes it so cheap. Um, um, the standard of living, the, the quantity of stuff is less over there. Uh, it's more over here. So it's different. It's, it's a different country. And uh, I think there are, we're all, we have so many 
planets in within, within Earth. It's uh, it's funny. It's if you go to a different country, just like a different planet. I hope these planets go away and become one country, one 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 Earth. And uh, I think the internet is doing it and it should do faster because still four billion people don't use it. Four billion people are not on the internet right now. Right. And what what do you think will get them on the what, what, what can we do to get the next billion dollars? Starlink on? is doing it. Um, more smartphones, more nice apps, uh, which will make it useful. The reason um, Pakistan and, and the third world countries grow so quickly on the internet is because of WhatsApp, because of the smartphone being cheaper, because of the internet being cheaper. There were lots of reasons. Right? It's not just one reason. Um, in the in in UK and in, in America, the computers were introduced in schools in 1990s and 80s. In the third world countries, and it's now 2020s that the first time they're seeing a, a smart device or a computing device. It's, it's huge, 40 years of gap. Uh, the people are not used to googling. People are not used to YouTubing. People are not used to a lot of things. The kids are very used to it now everywhere. So I think the humanity would be a very interesting place to look at in 20 years. So what kind of innovations are coming out of Pakistan? That, like, is there interesting apps or what, what do you see? Because, you know, I see American tech firms dominate, you know, Google, YouTube, all, all the innovations are coming from there. Are there apps that you find are interesting that we would find interesting in the West? Pakistan does not have an innovation ecosystem. Pakistanis don't like anything new. Pakistanis don't like themselves. So I don't think any apps are coming out of it. Um, I created something which came out of Pakistan, but I never sold it as a Pakistani product. Lots of other products came out of Pakistan, but we don't we never sell them as a Pakistani product. We sell them as an American product because we go and incorporate in the US because it's more acceptable, it's more virality is there. So I don't see a native app like that right now uh, coming out of Pakistan. So what you're saying is innovation might happen by a Pakistani, but they go to the US and brand it as American and then it becomes easier to sell across the world. Yeah. And that's what exactly what you did with your business, right? What would have happened with your business uh, Rehan, just explain a little bit about your business, which is selling phone numbers, right? Um, virtual phone lines. So I went into internet telephony. I was one of the 10 people who's who of the world in VoIP. Yeah. VoIP is what is uh, behind WhatsApp, like anything over the internet, voice over the internet. Um, there were no people doing this. Um, Pakistan did not recognize it and banned it. It was a gray. I could have been arrested in Pakistan just to use it. So I didn't do anything in Pakistan. I just did it in the US because it was allowed to do it there. So I did not want to break my country's law and I did it in the US. But what could have happened uh, if the government listened to me? We would have a different country today, by the way. It would have been just last three years ago if when COVID happened. Um, I see myself as designed for COVID because I've been working online all my life. I, I, didn't, I don't see as remote or local. I, I live on the internet. Um, I requested the government to make internet free for six months. 
and uh, give us smartphone for free because we were giving cash to people. We were giving around $100 a month for people who were poor. I said, well, give them a smartphone uh, so they can learn, they can study, they can take advantage of it. Let's get them jobs online. Uh, people, people don't understand what I'm saying. They can't even, I think they can't even, they can't even understand what I'm saying. It's, 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 it's they don't get it. Even today, I posted a post similarly to get, getting people jobs from overseas. They're just, I don't think they, they can, most people didn't understand what I'm talking about. Uh, they're, they're very narrow modeled. Their training is based on a very narrow vision, a very specialist, amazing people, but they just can't see it. It's like uh, an engineer or a, a biologist. They have nothing in common. They don't even want to be friends. And innovation cannot happen until you marry those two together. Interdisciplinary has to be very important now to make innovation happen. And so what can we do to bring more innovation to countries, in your opinion? In countries of, like Pakistan or UK? Both. I think UK is pretty innovative, but you don't... Um, you should have more competitions, like XPRIZE in the UK, find out the issues. London is a very dirty city. You should innovate how to make it cleaner, study from it, and run prizes around it. Uh, it's a very smart city because all the, brain, all the brains of the world are here. So it shouldn't be that complicated to do. Um, for countries like Pakistan, awareness is the biggest challenge. Um, we need, as humanity progress, I think we will need to learn how to live together. I think we need to find what is one country good at. So, for example, Americans to me are very good at marketing. Uh, Pakistanis can be good at entrepreneurship and selling. Uh, we have to find out what are we good at and then leverage that and take advantage of that. Um, if we use our head as a, as a, as a hammer, it's not a good idea. Um, so if Pakistan and countries like Pakistan just need awareness. So if the, if the West wants to really help the countries like Pakistan, they should not give any aid to Pakistan, first of all. There shouldn't be any aid whatsoever. And there could be investments. Uh, you can invest against a stake in a startup. You shouldn't give a grant to a startup. Grant makes people lazy. Uh, investment makes put you know you're a partner. Uh, so if there is one thing they should do is kind of force Google's of the world to market their products in the third world countries. They don't make money from these countries as much as in the American the West, so they don't advertise enough. They don't. They have not taught anybody in Pakistan how to use Google, how to use YouTube, but. I saw an ad, a full-page ad, last time I was in Manchester in my hotel. You should Google more. Go, before going out, Google the weather. Why isn't it done in Pakistan? Uh, it's just not done because the market dynamic is different. People make less money, therefore we're not uh, looked at. Even though the, the, the parity, I mean, you can live a very nice life in Pakistan for $200 a month. You cannot live a nice life at $200 a month in, um, in the UK or in New York or in, in London or whatever. The, 
the 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 parity buying power is different. Um, the quality of life is similar. It's not the same. You you don't wear an Armani. You don't you wear a, you don't wear like brands product, but you have generic products which work really well. Um, everything which is on Amazon is one tenth in Pakistan on the Raz. So local Amazon, it's like so amazing. I get surprised. I'm like, I mean, even IKEA is expensive in compared to when I look at Daraz. Daraz just opened up my whole everything. I can just do amazing shopping on Daraz. I buy beds on it. Every anything I want is on Daraz. Uh, it's it's phenomenal because all of a sudden the ecosystem has, has changed. You don't need to go to a shop. You can find anything from anywhere in the country. Delivers to you next day. It's phenomenal. How does it work, the Daraz? Is it cash on delivery? Can you explain a little bit? The Daraz is like, like Amazon. Yeah. It's, there's no difference. You can pay prepaid. I pay, I prepay everything. How do you prepay? Credit you card. Pay? Okay, so they're using credit cards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I use my American credit card in Daraz and Pakistan. Okay. And you also started a political party, right? Yeah. How is, why was, why did you have a vision for starting a political party? What's been the good and the bad of doing that? So, um, to me, the world lacks leadership. And um, I think um, nobody was training leaders in the internet era. To me, Greta Thunberg is a leader in climate change. Malala is a leader in uh, education. And their superpower is on Twitter and YouTube and Facebook. But none of the leaders of the world use understand technology. If you if you really want to understand what I'm saying, watch the Mark Zuckerberg and Senate's hearing. Like these guys are does they don't know what's going on. So um, in our country also, there's a lack of leadership. So my political party's agenda was to create um, four thousand leaders, and the way we were doing it is in the in the UK you have shadow cabinet. But you only have like 20 shadow cabinet members or like uh, you only shadow a minister. We did not just shadow a minister, we shadowed everyone, the parliamentarian, the, the mayor, the, the councillor. We wanted to create shadow of everything. And these shadows, shadow minister, shadow MNA, shadow senator, shadow prime minister, would just become phenomenal at their own thing by doing podcasts on their subjects and educating and learning about that subject. Because in Pakistan, people become minister based on their party affiliation, not basically on what they really know. So I was preparing, I want to prepare a real minister of water. We have identified 150 ministries. So you can become a minister of podcasting. And then you have to do three podcasts a week on podcasting um, and then do a conference every six months on podcasting online and then submit all the results online so that and submit it to the other parties so that they can learn from your learnings so that the the whole evolution of everyone in the country starts to happen because nobody talks about podcasts or, or water or electricity they're always, always fighting with each other about politics. They're not really talking about the issues. So as a shadow minister in our political party, you must do a podcast required as a minister to three podcasts a week um, on that subject. Wow, that's 
fascinating actually that's a really you really idea. become a lighthouse on that subject so if yeah. you're a pod, if you're yeah. a minister of water you'll yeah. do three podcasts a week from a specialist of the world on water there are 200 countries in the world yeah. each country has thousands of people on water you can bring on anyone Let's talk about what. So even if you don't win and come to power, you end up already influencing, do, doing good for the country, so that the actual minister of power or minister of water can learn from your shadow ministers, and they can leave our party and go to their party. We don't mind, wow. as long as they're doing good for the country, right? And that's the goal that it should be doing good for the people, not just be in politicians. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what tips would you have for people now? What some tips? Finally, some tips for people in the developing world to help themselves out of poverty in the next two years by twenty twenty five, and then some for the developed world by twenty twenty five. What tips would you give them? Um, for the underdeveloped world, they should give out uh, free internet. to every citizen who has never used the internet for the first $50 and just like they give free education to everyone just like they give free health to a lot of people give free health so internet is basically education um give a loan for anybody as to buy a smartphone um and they can repay you in 2 years like a no interest loan so everybody should be on a smartphone third advertise as much as you can about Google, YouTube and Facebook and and, and ChatGPT that before they do anything they should ask it ChatGPT this will educate them like anything like crazy uh and if they connect to the world using Facebook make friends around the world they will have they will start thinking like Americans or Swedes or English people and they will have friends over there and they will actually get work from them and they will get better pay from them right now they don't have any friends that's why they can't even think um to earn more money in the developed world um i think um they should start sending more people to live in underdeveloped countries because the developed people country people have seen the future when you were growing up you did not have mcdonalds everywhere but eventually you saw mcdonalds everywhere so it will become everywhere everywhere So if you just go in an underdeveloped country you will be helping them so the the elderly communities should be created in in poorer countries you can send your homeless people to our countries you can send your um older people to our countries there should be more exchange of human beings across the globe um that change your countries because a person who doesn't appreciate your country once he lives 5 years outside your country he starts to appreciate your own country so a homeless person or person doesn't want to work send them overseas for 5 years they will change they will start loving your country because now they can see it from far away everything is more beautiful far away amazing awesome so rehan alawala how can people connect to you or follow you and learn more from you um linkedin facebook twitter youtube instagram perfect everywhere. well if you just google him you'll find him everywhere 
And uh, thank you so much for your time. And uh, thank you for educating us. And good luck with your mission of the school and even your party. What you're doing is really phenomenal. You're having a great impact. You're one of the few that I can name in the country, and even globally, that have such a positive impact. So I, I wish you the best in your mission. Thank you. Thank you.